Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. All right. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate. Of course, I am very lucky and honored to have my guest, Mr. David Takahashi. That's you. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Of course, Good. always getting the show started, um, getting a little bit of background, who you are, how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Okay. Well, it's a kind of a long story, but uh, basically... Um, I had a uh, father-in-law who uh, blew the whistle on global warming. I didn't believe what he was telling me at the time in the early 90s. Um, he shared with me the predictions of um, increasing um, carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere. Um, and then in the year 2010, our home in Four Mile Canyon burned to the ground. And um, three, well, the next year there were debris flows from the fire, which buried my neighbors up in Four Mile Canyon. Um, and then three years, well, every year after that was the next biggest fire in Colorado history. And then three years later, we had a standing storm dump a year's worth of rain in three days, which um, in my neighborhood up in Four Mile completely reconfigured the geography. And um, at that point, well, we had already decided that um, rebuilding up in uh, Four Mile was not in the cards. Mm -hmm. um, that was right after the bubble burst and bank, uh, the money was tight. And uh, people were, were um, pretty unscrupulous because they were, um, they were endangered. Their, their businesses were endangered. So there was a lot of this going on. And uh, so after the flood, we decided, well, what are we going to do about this? Uh, it dawned on me that what my late, um, by then, father-in-law had been telling me was actually coming true and um, what were we to do about it so we decided let's see how far we can take um, lightening our carbon footprint on our home and it turns out if you do the math uh, the amount of carbon each of us are putting into the atmosphere um, on a daily basis as Americans is, is a hundred pounds. Yeah. I don't know if you've backpacked with 50 pounds on your back, it's a little heavy. but yeah, I mean, you look at a hundred pounds and, you know, we're talking Marines. Um, you know, I mean, so, um, so we said, well, okay. So what is the holding capacity of the earth? It's about 20 pounds. Per so person. the earth, if we put out 20, the earth with its oceans and for, yes. Times, uh, times 7 billion people, 20 pounds yeah. per person. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which is a little weird, a little weird because it seems like the more people, the less per person, but, mm -hmm. but that's a bad argument. But anyway, um, so, so we essentially went from a hundred pounds per person, me and my wife, down to 12. Nice. So um, it's doable. You, you got to pay attention. And this is a 60, our home is a 60 year old home, modest, but 60 years old. So mm -hmm. anyone can do it is what I'm trying to say. Beyond yeah. a doubt. Cool. Um, so then um, that's not the end of the story. So the, uh, you know, here we are in Boulder and there are 40,000 um, residences, we figured we've shown you can do it. We know that it's important to do. Um, one of the barriers has been removed, which is no one's done it. Hmm. Um, 
So let's get started. And of course, we ended up with zero. So we said, oh, not so good. Zero people so, following in your footsteps, you mean? Right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So then we said, well, that's hmm, interesting. Um, what if we look at doing this to houses of worship? So you okay. get the big house going, right? And all the people under that roof suddenly go, oh, this feels better. And, oh, we have more money for um, our programming. And, oh, why didn't we do this sooner? And, oh, we could do this at home. And, oh, I could do this where I work. Two years of, of organizing and we got nowhere. So wow. um, that's where we that's where we are today. We we keep trying and um, well, um, yeah, le yeah. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because yeah, you know, before you had this big personal experience, you were one of the zeros as well. You had no interest in oh, yeah. in your oh, yeah. carbon footprint. So when did you kind of? How, well, how come you didn't think, oh, you know, just the biggest fire ever in history, you know, three years in a row. That's just a coincidence. You know, these things happen. What, what made you like flip the switch to be like, hold on, maybe my father-in-law actually was, was thinking about something correctly. Um, I can tell you the exact moment. Love it. The exact moment is around about 1230 on September 10th, 2010, as I stood in my front yard in Four Mile Canyon and watched a major wildfire unfold around me mm -hmm. and realized I, I was watching flames shooting hundreds of yards into the air in the wind and mm -hmm. landing and trees exploding and houses suddenly torching and the, the sound of breaking stuff and, and explosions and just total chaos. And, and at that moment, this was like um, living and going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and this was, the, being this was that's, the sky is orange. It's like mm -hmm. the monk, the scream. It's like the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the system is falling up. Yeah. The system is falling apart around me. Um, what are you going to do about it? Right. So that was the moment. Yeah. And, and the rest is like um, um, evidence that's supporting mm -hmm. evidence just started piling up. But sure. that was the moment. Well, why were you skeptical before that? Why did it take such a profound personal experience to get you to believe in climate uh, well, I grew up, uh, you know, I went, I came up through biochemistry mm -hmm. and I know what a part per million is. Yep. Okay. So 400 part per million is like 40 cents in a thousand dollars. This is like, and when you, when you start talking about the effects, sea level rise, bleaching of coral, um, droughts, fires, uh, increased and more uh, frequent um, damaging hurricane. I mean, the whole calamity on 40 cents and a thousand dollars, I just didn't buy it. Right. Uh, such a small thing having such a large effect. Well, I think of a great analogy as like food coloring. Like if you drop a drop of food coloring into a glass of water, it'll turn the whole thing red. You know, I think we've we've proven or you've seen from the last year that a little tiny molecule can change the whole world, you know. So I think oh, yeah. we shouldn't underestimate the little guy or the little thing to have a big, huge impact. Yeah, but yeah. I guess what I want to ask you is how do we get other people to be profoundly um impacted and want to and realize what's going on with the environment and takes uh, strong action like you have and how we're going to talk about all the stuff you've done to your house and all the work that you have been accomplishing over the last decade but is it going to take a, a wildfire to burn down everyone's house for them to realize hey we should probably do something about the climate you know it's it's interesting when when we first started you know um 
evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, you could, I would ask the audience, do you have any um, personal or familial or friend, close friend who have been directly affected by climate disruption? And almost nobody would raise their hand. Nobody's house had burned down, what, whatever. Well, um, a couple years ago, we showed, we were able to show a movie called From Paris to Pittsburgh up at Chautauqua. Um, and um, as we led into the movie, I, you know, there were like, I don't know, 50, 60 people um, in the audience. And we um, asked, um, you know, I asked, well, how many of you have, you know, direct or very close um, um, contacts who, who have been directly affected by climate disruption? And almost everybody raised their hand. Mm. And I think what's happening, Ethan, is I think the idea of um, we are affecting climate is, has hit Main Street. I agree. Okay. So we have the um, IEA, uh, International Energy Association, uh, just came out with, I mean, they have been oil and gas supporters forever. And they recently came out with the roadmap to um, net zero energy in 2050 and the prescriptions for getting there. And in it, they include 2.5% of our existing building stock mm-hmm. will get to net zero energy per year. And if we do that, we will, we, that will help us reach net zero um, carbon by 2050. So cool. it's, it's hitting the main street. So yeah. that's all I can say. Yeah. Well, well said, man. That's really cool. Um, I just wanted to ask you before we get into talking about how to green our own homes, I wanted to ask your opinion about this idea of like the seventh generation principle, which you had in Mm. like your bio on boulder.earth. So beyond just caring for, you know, nobody wants to see their own house burned down. Why is it important um, to kind of worry about future generations and how much profound will the impact be on our decisions that we make today for people, maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven generations down the line. So if you just want to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit and how that is uh, important to you. Yeah, I think, okay. So um, one, one thing that you've reminded me is that um, we need to acknowledge that we are um, right now operating um, on Arapaho and Cheyenne and Ute tribal lands. Correct. Okay. So having said that, um, without trying to act like a cultural appropriator, the indigenous um, people have tremendous gifts to offer us. And one of the gifts that they offer us is the ability to consider our actions Um, as they affect coming generations and, and they, um, the Iroquois, it's interesting, the Iroquois, when Franklin, Benjamin Franklin was casting about for models of governance for this new nation, there was this thing called the Iroquois Confederacy that had been operating around them forever. And, huh. and Franklin actually went to visit the Iroquois Confederacy and got this whole idea of democracy through what they had been, been proven was a sustainable model. So part of that sustainable model is looking forward and saying, my actions actually are going to affect people that will come onto our land 200 years from now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
If you think about what is going on around us right now, Ethan, it's very interesting. We, we kind of have this industrial complex model, you know, take, 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 make, 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 toss, toss, toss. Quarterly which, goals. Which is kind of, we're, we're starting to pay that price now. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's possible that, you know, we need to respectfully put some things into hospice and let them go. <laughs> and, and at the same time, we need to be looking forward and saying, you know what, we're midwifing this thing that is trying to come into existence. We don't know exactly what it is, but, um, we, 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 we see it stirring. And um, so this idea of the seventh generation is, is kind of a switch from um, looking back to looking forward because mm-hmm. um, what, what has preceded us doesn't seem to be working so well. Sure. So it's not a very good model. So maybe the model is actually in the future. So when we start to talk about this thing called equity, okay, so we hear a lot of talk about equity. And what the, what equity is trying to do is to um, bring into focus populations which have been overlooked and which do not have a voice and don't necessarily have representation. If you think about future generations, they are underserved, they are underrepresented, and they have no voice. That's deep, man. So from an equity standpoint, we, we actually need to bring the future generations in, in, into into the picture. So that's my spiel. I loved that spiel. That was awesome. I'm going to think about that more um, as we continue on here, yeah, but um, yeah. l- let's, <laughs> let's get into let's talking about, continue on, man. Let's Yeah. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. L- let's talk about something you're a, a big expert on, which is obviously um, making your house more sustainable because you guys are actually a net positive home now, which means that you are giving energy back to the grid. Is that right? Over the year, over yeah. the, not every day, not every mm-hmm. hour, but over the year. Uh-huh. So let's talk about what is a, a nano grid. Okay. So, um, so here's the deal. The deal is the cards are stacked. Um, we cannot actually share our energy with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we will, uh, we're about to be able to, but when we started, we were not able to. Okay. So um, a nano grid says that uh, the energy that I create will be used on my property. Mm-hmm. And when the and I'm gathering that from sunlight hitting my roof, and when the sun goes down, or the 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 snow falls deeply, or mm-hmm. the or the clouds cover the sun, whatever, um, we're um, taking that energy and storing it in batteries, and in those times of um, no production, we're drawing from the batteries. Sure. And when, 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 the, when the sun is shining, the batteries are full, we take that surplus energy and, and, and give it to the grid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you, um, what you do in a nano grid is um, that's what you do. If, if it were a micro grid, okay, nano means very small. Micro mm-hmm. means a little bit bigger. Um, okay. Okay. So in a micro grid, what you're able to do is share it between buildings. Mm-hmm. So 
in my mind, I'm looking forward to a free market in energy where we can be, each of us can be producing energy on our roofs. And if our neighbors are covered with trees, we can share that energy with them on a free market. Right. So sell it to them, right? At a negotiated price. Sure. Okay. Which would be less than what they're paying the utility, which doesn't make the utility very happy. Right. Okay. So, so, so a nano grid is you, you're, 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 you're kind of inward facing. Um, and any sharing you, you do is, is, is through this, the grid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So, so, um, baked into that is, um, th- there's a couple of things you got to be thinking about. Well, first you got to be thinking about, let's use the least amount of energy that we can. Efficiency. Efficiency. That's key, um, number one. The, yeah. The second is let's conserve whatever we have to, to, to take as long as we possibly can. Okay. And then finally, let's produce and store whatever energy we can harvest on our land. Mm-hmm. Okay. So through those three things, you, you come up with uh, getting your carbon footprint to like 12 pounds, which is doable. It's awesome. And, oh. and I'd, I'd like to, to, to say what, drove this whole thing is the idea that we can create abundance on this earth with the 7 billion people we have Mm -hmm. and honor planetary limitations. We can do those two things. And that's what trying to get our, our footprint down under that was all about showing that you, I mean, here we are, we're spending less money. We're actually more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, and, and we all can do it. Yeah. And I think I like that you said energy efficiency as number one. I think that's, that is probably one of the biggest points because using things more efficiently, just always, makes more sense like there's some things we do that don't make really don't make too much sense to me like i don't want to get too much off on a tangent because you and i both aren't experts on like gray water but just the like the idea that we bathe flush toilets and drink all the same water like this amazing resource that's limited that's like it's just obviously not the most efficient way we could be living you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah um i i uh yeah let's not I'm yeah. going to let you control things because I, sure, I could sure, go off. Yeah. 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 Um, how, what, what do you think is the best way to like scale this, um, these, these nano grids or even like a micro grid where the neighborhoods are all connected to the same thing? Cause obviously you said there's vested interest with the utility who don't want this to, to happen. Right. So how, how I, I, as we've talked about, you've had problems like getting, you know, you've been talking about that zero of getting people to, yeah. to do it. So how can yeah. we get this movement going and going quickly? What do you think? Okay. So, I am, it's interesting you asked that because I was just, um, okay, I just looked at an article where one of the big military um, camps, uh, what are they called? Military, uh, whatever they are, bases. Bases. Yeah. yeah. A military base has decided to go with microgrids. Mm-hmm. for resilience long term okay yeah. so meaning when when the disruptions happen like what is happening with um um elsa right now um a hurricane knocking out power uh, or power getting knocked out whatever um that these um essential mission critical um facilities 
really need to be resilient. And, and currently the way they get to that resilience is they have these big diesel generators. Wow. Right. But it turns out, Ethan, that in a emergency, you can't find diesel. <laughs> right. Right. So so it's it's not as I mean, when 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 everything's good, it's a, you know, it's a good plan, but everything isn't good. OK, not so. Always. So so they're 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 going to, to microgrids. OK, mm-hmm. so to answer your question. I think that question was around here in Boulder. Sure. Um, we, we take the fire stations. We take the churches. We take the YMCA. We take those places that are first and second response, mission critical facilities, and we um, make them into microgrids. Right. Doing what we've done here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Um, then um, once that happens and people say, what I've been waiting for, Ethan, is I've been waiting for the, that, that cold winter night when the grid goes down because oh snow is on the, you know, whatever, trees come, you know, to have my house lit up and my neighbor's <laughs> house is dark. You better invite them over. And, and I will invite them and they'll go, how the hell did you do this? But well, lucky for Excel, that has not happened. <laughs> not yet. Well, now let's talk about how you did it. I want it because it was like a four year process starting from thinking about how to do it to actually putting into action to now being fully mm-hmm. net positive, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. like a, the key steps and what you've learned from it and what you want to teach. Other okay, people. so uh, the, the first thing that happened, I have to give credit to the city of Boulder. Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit to Brett Kincaren, who at, at a um, climate compos- a symposium um, mentioned that the city of Boulder was offering um, consulting services to people that wanted to do this. Yes. So through the city of Boulder, we were able to um, get find the consultants that had already been through this and could guide us every step of the way. Amazing. Yeah, just uh, and and we need more of those people. I, 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 I think you know as we look at um, re, um, economic recovery, having um, people that can provide those services, and get people recovering in a um, energy smart way would, would be really great. But so that was the first step. So we found our consultant and the um, first thing the consultant said is talk to this person mm-hmm. about an energy audit. Okay. Okay. So the energy audit, uh, a, um, a, energy auditor shows up at your house and actually gives you a um, roadmap for what you need to do to get your house to energy efficient. Cool. Okay. And kind of a timeline and costs. Okay, and and you you know it's kind of like a cafeteria menu. You 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 know you, you if you if you don't want dessert, you just skip it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know if you don't want the salad, you just go you know go you know. So um, so we had the roadmap uh, that was in 2015, mm-hmm. and we said, okay, well let's start with the lowest hanging fruit, and we got through the that that happens to be insulation and ceiling, ceiling, and not the we walls, got through, the ceiling. Yeah, uh, C S E A L I N G. Ceiling, ceiling, ins- insulation <laughs> and ceiling. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm a realtor. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, you have the ceiling and then you have the ceiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, we made it through that and we said, okay, you know, that was good. And, and the whole time we're, we're, we're kind of watching this thing called the um, home energy. What is it? H-E-R-S. I thought it was like index. Rating system. The home energy, home energy rating energy. system. Index. So when we started, okay, this is a 1954 uh, ranch in Martin Acres. When we started, uh, we were at a HERS um, home energy rating system score of 190. Which means what exactly? Which, which means if a, a new home built to code scores 100. Yeah. 190 means we are twice as bad as a new home built to code. And as I understand it, there's a new law in Boulder now that all homes have to be net zero uh, starting in 2021, I believe. Uh, I think there's still a, a, um, like square a footage. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's like 35,000, 3, I think. 3,000, I think, or 3,500. Oh, okay. Wouldn't be 35. Oh, you mean the lot or the size of the home? Either way. Yeah. The index yeah, oh, you're right. I think it's 3,000. I think okay. it is, yeah. So, um, and I hope that uh, is also remodels, but probably not. Um, but uh, where were we? So, okay. So, um, so we're watching our HERS score as we're doing all this work. And zero is net zero. Zero is net zero? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you have a, a hundred is a new home built to code and zero is your your net carbon emissions are zero. And ideally we want every house to get as close to that as possible as time goes on. Yeah. Um, start working it. So there's this other idea that what is measured improves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you... If you watch your weight, it will help you lose weight. Yeah. Right? Because you see, oh, look. Smash those goals. Yeah. Look, it's working. Let's do mm-hmm. some more, you know? Right. So that is, you know, what, what, what's going on. So so we start at 190. We do the, um, the, the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, what next? Okay. So... What was next was we were lucky, Ethan, our home, when we bought our replacement home in, in 2012, uh, after arm wrestling with the insurance company over our fire, um, we um, inherited a home with a 25-year-old uh, furnace, okay, forced air furnace, and the um, seller actually agreed to buy us a three-year insurance policy on the furnace. Okay. Okay. So the reason I say this is everything in our home that burns fossil fuels will be replaced at some point. And even a brand new, the the one that lasts, I think the longest are the furnaces. And even with a brand new furnace by 2050, that will be replaced. Mm -hmm. And that we don't need to replace everything right now, but as things go bad, it would be really good to replace them. So the next thing that that the okay, so we had the the home kind of holding on to energy. So now we're we're like okay, so we're we're efficient in that whatever we use, we don't waste. Mm-hmm. So now let's work on the using part, right? The consumption part. And so the next thing that came up was that furnace. So the efficiency of a furnace is about one, if you're lucky. 
you know, every unit of energy you put in, you get a unit of energy coming out of you burning in furnace, fossil fuels, burning gas. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's as good as it gets. So the consultant said, there's this thing called heat pumps, which is how does a box in your kitchen turn room temperature air into a freezer and a refrigerator? Well, the way it does this Freon? is through a heat pump. Oh. Yeah. So you've got the energy of phase change already operating in your kitchen as your refrigerator. You take that technology and say, well, what if we used it to that phase change to provide heat in the winter and cooling in the summer? Okay. That same technology. And the efficiency of heat pumps is around three, meaning you put in a unit of energy and you get three back. Huh. Why wouldn't you do this? It's well, efficient. one of the reasons is uh, as a early adopter, first of all, we had trouble finding people that would do this, but um, as an early adopter, you're, you're paying a uh, premium. Certainly. Yeah. Which it's all coming down. I mean, you can buy a, now you can buy, you can go down to Home Depot and you can buy a portable air source heat pump for $400. Mm -hmm. Okay. So even a renter can do this. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, what I'm saying is um, as adoption increases, the price goes down. So, yeah, okay. Of course. So the barriers of entry are dropping drastically. And the, as we know, during the polar vortex in Texas, the spot price for natural gas was around $9,000 per megawatt hour, which reduces down to about $9 per kilowatt hour. And your bill from our utility is around 12 cents per kilowatt hour. And the ripple effects of that um, thing that happened in Texas is that the our local uh, um, utility is is asking for six hundred million dollars to be reimbursed by its ratepayers over the next three years. In Colorado or in Texas? In Colorado, because of what it is, in Texas? it is before the Public Utilities Commission as we speak. Mm. Yeah, so. And, and that's just the polar vortex in February. And yeah. Ethan, we know these things. I mean, we have the heat wave happening right now in the yeah, Northwest. Sure. That's, the, it, it's either too hot or too cold. It all, it all means that spot price Problems. goes up. And, but how, and so, how, does the, how does the heat pump relate to like your refrigerator? It's using the same technology, but it's it's doing two directions. So your refrigerator takes room temperature air and makes it cold. Yep. Okay. A heat pump takes outside air when it's cold and makes it hot. And it's That's electric. That's the flip. Not, and not in the powered. summer, it takes hot air and makes it cold but how does it how does some sort of science in the box uh, the, the science box? is there's a, a phase change it's called a refrigerant mm -hmm. and it, uh the your refriger refrigerator has it and an air source heat pump has it Wait, that's why i said freon right that's what it's called that's what it uses uh it's a refrigerant freon is illegal oh yeah um i have a 
by the way, I have a water, my water, we'll get there, but the water heater refrigerant is actually carbon dioxide. Okay. That is really cool. It's plentiful. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Where were we again? Heat pumps. Sounds like we're probably around like 2017. I'm guessing. You're slowly moving things yeah, out of the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we uh, so we 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 get the 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 heat taken care of. We get rid of this 25 year old furnace that was on its last legs, luckily. Um, and so we're down to um, the water heater. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we bought the house again in 2012. It had an electric. Um, range stove uh it had an electric washer dryer you know the roadmap said your heat and you you know heat basically uh air heat and uh water heat are the things you're going to have to tackle yeah so we're we get the the heat done and we're happy and um, we're looking at the water and we're saying that's the last thing between us being where we are today and getting rid of the gas meter. Mm-hmm. So we don't know, we, you know, we could wait this out, but let's just go ahead. So we look into how we're going to, but this is a, thousand square foot <clears throat> ranch yeah um there's not a lot of space to put in a um, um a we're trying to use the existing footprint yeah sure and yeah and and go um carbon free and it it was pretty difficult at the time but um our consultant actually came up with a solution Mm -hmm. and um so what we have is we have a like that compressor on the back of your refrigerator is small enough that it can be in the back of the refrigerator but Mm -hmm. to heat or cool a house or to heat and cool water for a house that the the compressor part is outside okay okay so um, that's what we do, um, and um, we found a solution. We put it in, and yeah, in January of 2018, we f- we phone up Excel and say, "Would you please remove the gas meter? We don't want it on our property." Woohoo! Yeah, that was a really wonderful day, and yeah. um, so that kind of was a milestone um and later in the program we can get we, we can get into the ramifications of that but uh, sure. that was big so then what happens um so um backing up a little bit before then um it, 19 home built in 1954 the windows many of them had gotten off kilter didn't actually really work, had watered, you know, you know, all, all sorts of things. So sure. we looked at uh, what it would cost to replace them. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be not bad at all. And there are a lot of um, options. And we went with um, kind of what we what we had in the home are double hung windows Mm -hmm. the top would go down and the bottom would go up and you know all that um and we looked at replacing them with double hung windows and they're a little bit more expensive so so for the price of going to um oh the other thing about double hung is you need screens on both you need full screens sure so the cost goes up so what we ended up doing is is single hung the lower only um, a low you know only a half panel screen 
and going with non, you know, only one movable part, we were able to get triple pane for less than the, 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 the uh, double pane, double hung. I hear you. Right. So that seemed like a no brainer. So we did that. And um, when did these solar panels come into play? Okay. So, so, so that was a lead up to, so now what happens is in 2018, we have no more gas. Okay. But what happens now is the utility and this just changed. The utility says, well, we don't want you producing a surplus. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is tell us how much energy electricity you used in the, in the previous year. And we will grant you that amount to put on your roof. Okay. Plus a little bit. And that recently changed from 120 to 200%. Mm -hmm. So right now, if you wanted to put solar on your roof and you had a year's electricity, you would be able to ask for double that amount. Sure. Okay. So we had just electrified. So we didn't have a year. Mm -hmm. So we had to wait for 2019. I see. In order to, (laughs) in order to have enough records to ask, to, to like get on our hands and knees and ask for 120%. And, and um, so we spent that looking at the roof, you know, what we could get up there. We're in a, um, we're in a, 60 year old subdivision yep and we have some mature trees all around us we're and the house was never set up and and the um installer estimators i mean i'd go down to home home depot and the sun run you know people be down there and Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i give them my address and they go oh mm." not going to happen. Um, and, uh, so it took us a while to find a installer who really believed in what we we're trying to do. And there's a lot of them with us. There's a lot of installers. I get yeah. calls from people like trying to do that stuff all the time. Yeah. And so, um, we found one and they advised us very, very well and, you know, listened to what we wanted. So, we're a little bit different um, when, when you, okay. So after the year, we actually got as much solar on the roof as we um, could get. Um, and we still need a little bit more in order to go with EVs. Mm-hmm. Because I have a problem charging an EV off the grid when the grid is mostly coal and natural gas. Yeah. I hear okay. that. Man. Um, so, so that, that remains to happen, but um, that makes sense though. Yeah. But that's something people don't talk about a lot. Yeah. Well, the other thing they don't talk about is um, what you do with that solar that's on your roof. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of self-consumption, which means I want priority. I want that power coming off my roof to be powering my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the 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 wake up call, Ethan, was watching um, news clips of the hurricanes moving through Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, and seeing people interviewed in front of their dark houses. Yep. Talking about the powers off Mm -hmm. when there's solar panels on their roofs. Mm. Right. So 
a solar system that is a solar energy system that is counting on the grid has some vulnerabilities. Yeah, and that yeah. is when the grid goes down, you're as dark as everybody else. So we really wanted to get to the point where the grid goes down, we stay up. Your own nano grid. That's it. And so there's this little switch. So what happened, the, 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 the concern with producing your own energy is, well, the utility is going to have people out fixing the lines mm -hmm. and they don't want power moving through those lines right. when they're fixing them. So you need a switch on your house that says, oops, grid down, flip the switch. Nothing from here goes there. Nothing right. crosses. Absolutely. And that's called islanding. Ah. Okay. So, um, so our intention was not to save money. Our intention was to use the energy from the sunlight hitting our roof. Right. And avoiding that kind of dirty, tainted. I get that. Yeah. Well, cool, and, man. And, and this, this company we found understood that. So they really worked with us. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. It's really good for people to know the whole experience of going through all that. Um, I'm definitely curious about how we can incentivize people who who are in, who are uh, motivated by money to, to make those changes as, as well. But instead of talking to you about that, I want to ask you how you think someone who is motivated either by, by financial incentive or by the, the desire to be completely net zero, but doesn't have a lot of time. Because it sounds like this is a long process. You've thought through it. You, you put a lot of work in. You've talked to a lot of different corporations about how to get this all done. How can someone who doesn't have a lot of time make these changes in their life? Right. So what they do is what we did, which is find a trusted consultant mm -hmm. who okay. guides them. Yeah. Right. Um, and and it's still sounded very laborious and intensive on your end. You know, like sound. It made you yeah. made it sound like there was a lot of stuff that you had to consider. Yeah. And well, there's a lot of stuff I didn't have to consider because I had the consultants. Right. On. Yeah. And and you know it was collaborative. So um, I would say those people are around. And. That should not be a barrier. And if people are motivated, um, they should follow up with you and you can follow up with me. Very but they're cool. around. I like they're that. definitely around. Yeah. I'm around as well. Happy yeah. to help people out. Yeah. Cool. Fair enough. All right. So we're actually kind of running out of time here. So I just wanted to talk about you, you mentioned some sort of ramifications from the decision that you made to go net zero. Do you want to talk about that before we kind of close out here? Uh, the ramifications of going net zero. Yeah. I mean, um, the ramifications are, you know, basically waking up in the morning and going, uh, is the sun shining? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if well, it we is, live in Boulder, so <laughs> yeah. pretty pretty common for it to be. Yeah, yeah. So um another ramification is um even in our darkest months, December and January, we ran a surplus. Cool. Okay, February, March, and April, not so much. But the rest of the year, um, you know, starting um, May, June, July, you know, all the way through um, the next February, uh, we're running surplus. And it's really, um, you look at our yearly production, and it's almost like night and day where the winter, you know, it, it's pretty low, but the summer very high um, production. So, it, we didn't ask to 
save money, but you end up saving money. Um, And the, the, the other ramification is we are independent of that cost of fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, variable. Which we know it's going like this. Right. Right. Um, so I think the, the, another ramification is, you know, we know it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool. We, we, we know that anyone can do it. Um, cool. and it's about choices and yeah, that's America. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's about creating abundance while honoring planetary limitations and, and just that sense of that sense of lightness mm-hmm. of not having a hundred pounds on our, our backs deep. And there are other things, you know, it's like I'm trying to get my insurance company to acknowledge that I'm off of natural gas and therefore I'm less of a risk and therefore I should pay less. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on getting incentives for people doing this work so that, you know, actually, I think that if we were not planning to sell our house, but if we were planning to sell our house with a with the right buyer the fact that we are net zero would make a big difference i can tell you i can I mean, tell you from even experience that a, it would yeah even in a loose market i think it would make a difference to the right buyer but yeah. i think that should be any buyer mm-hmm. and get to the point where we can really start to incentivize rather than penalize beyond a doubt well appreciate yeah. you for sharing today man just i got just a couple uh open-ended questions at the end here um relating sure. to what kind of you were just talking about um what what would a resilient uh united states look like to you what are some of the main points that you would want main changes in the way people think or the way we behave how would that look okay a resilient um it would look like community mm-hmm um, it would look like we're all in this together. Um, if I have, a, there's a um, model in, in nature that I use for resilience, and it's this um, aspen forest in Utah that has been around for 80,000 years. Amazing. And what it does is it um, senses as, as a big organism where the drought is and it knows where the water is and it starts moving water from where it is to where it needs to be and nutrients it does the same thing so if nutrients are in uh, scarcity over here and there's an abundance over here then then that nutrient starts to move so that to me is the mesh that resilience and nature is showing us that we can, you know, she's she done it for 80 fucking thousand years. Yeah, for real, man. Yeah. Found it out. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, so that's what a resilient resilience would look like. Ecosystem. I I love it. It yeah. reminds me of like Avatar. Like everything's connected. And it totally makes Everything sense. We, is. Have, we have real models to show it in nature. Like you said, 80,000 fucking years. That's no joke. I, I, I celebrated... Um, the um, uh, what, what is it? Declaration of interdependence on the Fourth of July. <laughs> it was Interdependence Day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we live in we live in such an individualistic society in, in this country. I think uh, it'll. I mean, we're gonna have to change if we want to survive. We'll have to work together because this whole everyone's on their own. Everyone has everyone's one seed and needs to grow by themselves. I just don't think is is gonna last. I mean, it's, we barely yeah. barely made it two hundred and eighty years. So. I mean, it, it's, uh, it was a, it was fun. It's been fun, yeah. but uh, we we can do better. We can do. I think uh, it was one of the the beauties of COVID. Yeah, it's right? not it's not cool, but being by yourself, it's not fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool, man. All right, well, it's been really awesome having you on. Last question is just, what advice do you have for young people who want to be a solution to like a more livable biosphere, climate, or just like system in general? Uh, my my advice is uh, prepare 
for taking this over. We're about to pass you the baton mm -hmm. and that I have worked with you and that you are so prepared. I, I, I am in awe of the generation that is coming along. You know, Fridays for Future, um, the Sunrise. I mean, these, these are people that have so much going for them. It, it, it is awe-inspiring. So uh, my advice to the young people is actually advice to the old people, which is <laughs> we got to get out of their way. Yeah. We got to get out of their way because they've got everything they need to make this happen. And they will. Amen, David. Yeah. Amen. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's always great talking to you. You're more than welcome to come on again at any time. And we have a bunch of other things we could have talked about, but we'll, we'll, well you'll have to come back. Again. Let's do it again, man. Uh, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Thanks everyone so much for wa for watching. And David, really, thanks for coming on, man. I loved hearing what you had to say. Yeah. Go out there and make make some news, man. <laughs> you got it. We're out there. All right, everyone. Thanks for Thanks for listening and have a fantastic weekend as always. Take it easy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Changing the Climate, the official podcast of Climate Change Realty. If you are very passionate about these issues and you know anyone considering buying or selling a home anywhere in the USA, then please visit ccrboulder.com today.